This paid commercial may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Radio. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Radio does not take responsibility for those statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to the 2018 Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Radio 1500 AM, proudly celebrating 13 years. Today's episode brings you CDM and network security in government. Here's your host, Luke McCormack. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. I'm Luke McCormack. During today's show, we will discuss continuous diagnostics and mitigation, also known as CDM, to secure cyberspace with government and industry leaders. With me on the show today are Kevin Cox, CDM Program Manager and PPD, Department of Homeland Security, Rod Turk, Acting CIO and CISO, Department of Commerce, Todd Mackard, Deputy Chief of Information Security Officer, Department of Justice, Neil Graves, Chief Cybersecurity Scientist, Department of State, Jeff Kidwell, Area Vice President, SailPoint, Chris Townsend, Vice President, Sales and Operations, Semantic Federal, and Phil Quaid, Chief Information Security Officer, Fortinet. Well, this certainly is a timely subject. Uh, we have been on this journey for several years now, and it just uh, occurred to me when we started this journey, you know, we were starting to get into the cloud, not a whole lot of cloud stuff, enormous movement in the cloud, which makes this even more complex. Um, let's start with you, uh, Kevin, and tell us sort of, just give us a top line on uh, what's the progress of CDM these days and uh, where we are with all the departments and agencies. Sure, uh, good afternoon, Luke. Uh, where we are today is that we're uh, in the process of connecting up the agency dashboards to the federal dashboard. Uh, through our initial phase, we've deployed uh, sensors out working with the agencies uh, Department of Commerce, Justice, and State, as well as all of the other agencies. Do we have all the uh, agency dashboards done? Uh, we have 20 of the 23 CFO Act agencies, the cabinet level agencies. Wow. Uh, and then we're working with the non-CFO Act, the smaller and micro agencies, to uh, finish out the initial deployment uh, for their dashboard and expect that to connect up at the end of June. Mm -hmm. uh, and then as we bring on more of the, the non-CFO Act agencies, we'll get more and more visibility of that, so starting to get uh, that federal dashboard operationalized at the NCIC, uh, so that the NCIC over the next few months will develop their processes and procedures around uh, being able to see all the, the summary data on the assets in the .gov space, and then to work and support the agencies in terms of identifying when there's a critical vulnerability, for example, uh, where that potentially is in the federal space and then support the agencies to help get that patched yeah, as well as other things. Everyone's through phase two and or everyone's through phase one certainly into phase yeah. two. That's so we're wrapping up phase two. one uh -huh. through the rest of the summer. Right. Uh, phase two runs. Explain to the audience what phase one is. Just sure. And, yeah, just so with phase one what we're looking at is to get uh, hardware and software visibility mm -hmm. at the agencies. Uh, so that we can also have an understanding of their vulnerability posture as well as configuration posture. Uh, phase two is about understanding who the users are, so helping to get the agency's visibility of their credentialed users as well as their privileged users as well. And then uh, further, we're looking to, uh, in the process of moving into phase three and phase four as well. And, we can talk more about that sure. here. What's on the network, who's on the network, and I'm yeah. sure these networks are lighting up like a Christmas tree and there's a lot of stuff that's being discovered. 
Rod, uh, tell us what's happening over there at uh, Commerce and uh, how, how are you guys doing? Where are you in your phases and uh, uh, just how's the overall the CDM program going for you guys? So our experience is much like Kevin has talked about. Uh, we're wrapping up phase one. Uh, we've got all of our components that are that are participating and uh, we're uh, sending information up to the dashboard. Mm -hmm. um, we have a pretty much a, what we would call a bake-in period so that we can kind of get used to the information that's being presented and our components then can start to find ways to use that because frankly there's a lot of data that comes out of uh, the tools that we're sure. using. Right, a lot of data. Tree. All of a sudden yeah. this lights up a lot of information there that you have to start looking at. Yep. And so what we're looking for is not only just the standard information or, or knowledge that we gain from uh, the CDM program in a CDM sense, but with all of that data, what is then the next step to be able to, to develop some knowledge, uh, additional knowledge out of that data? We think that there's other pearls there that we might be able to find and use from a security perspective to help us protect our systems. Sure. Um, phase two, mm -hmm. uh, we're moving forward with phase two. Um, one of the, when you talk about progress and benefits of CDM, uh, I think, you, at least I do anyway, look broader than the CDM program. So for us, one of the big, big progress progresses that we've had is just being able to bring together all of the components within the department in a shared services kind of way. This is huge. It's huge. We've never done this before. CDM is actually an icebreaker for us when it comes to that, especially when you're talking about a very highly federated organization like the Department of Commerce. You know, we have fish, we have economic data, we've got, you know, broadband, uh, you know, responsibilities, census, patents, you, you know, those kinds of things. Very broad set of functionalities that from a functional standpoint don't necessarily lend itself to collaboration. But clearly when it comes to IT, there's touch points across all of those, especially uh, as we see in the CDM program that we can actually uh, get some benefit from. Sure, and, I'm sh and you know, there's no doubt there's an incredible amount of economic data that people would love to get their hands on and you're going to make sure that they don't. And speaking of identity management, et cetera, uh, Jeff, uh, tell us uh, what you're seeing as far as programmatics and, and the involvement that you've had with CDM and some of the work that you're doing with some of the departments and agencies. Sure, Luke. As, uh, as you mentioned, Silt Point's a leader in identity governance, and as Kevin mentioned, phase two is all about managing who's on the network, and sure. that's directly what Silt Point does. Uh, we works these days, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So getting we, more and more complicated. For the last couple of years, in 2016, we were part of the different teams that were that were part of three awards in phase two, both 2F. Priv and CRED. So for the past two years, we've been supporting the primes and and DHS CDM program office in in executing on these task orders and deploying the solution that they're that they're fielding specific to those different task orders. So what the end result of that has been is in the case of 2F, they've they've stood up in supporting both phase one and phase two for all the micro agencies. In the case of CRED, I think we now have fielded sale point and and that cred solution which establishes a master user record or an identity data warehouse for every identity on that given agency's network and we've installed this solution in 22 of the 24 CFO agencies and I, and I believe we've we've gotten word that another one is coming on board and going to and going to install the same solution so we're making significant progress super impressive very important to understand who's on the network and what they're doing 
Uh, Todd, how are we doing over there at DOJ? You guys have been at this a while now. Uh, you've, yep. You had a good baseline. You were doing CDM before it was CDM back in the day. Uh, how are things going over there in regards to uh, where you are on this program? Uh, things are going well, and, and you're right. Uh, we did start a lot of the, the capabilities that you see in Phase 1 prior to the launch of the, of the program. Mm -hmm. Really what it did was it helped us accelerate our fielding of those capabilities across all of our components. Now that we have the, the Phase 1 capabilities across really all of, of DOJ, and as Rod mentioned, now how do you use all of that data that's coming off of those capabilities? We have a very nice and well-established uh, risk management program and a report that we produce monthly that uh, consumes all of the data from the Phase 1 tools and produces a, a heat map with a risk scoring for each of the components based off of six, six metrics. So I think we've got a good understanding of where each component stands in terms of their risk posture, and then collectively, where does DOJ stand with its risk posture, and we're able to, to accurately manage that uh, throughout, you know, utilizing those tools and have a good uh, assessment of our risk posture each month. Yeah, really yeah. Uh, doing some triage and focusing on the, the hot spots, if you will, and yeah, zeroing in on that. That's great. It seems like there's definitely a level of maturity there that uh, I'm sure all the departments and agencies are looking forward to getting to. Uh, Chris, uh, how about at Semantics? You guys uh, have a, a pretty good command out there about what's going on across these departments and agencies. Can you give us some gleam some insight as to what you're seeing from a, from a you know uh, a semantics perspective uh, as you're looking across these departments and agencies. Yeah, absolutely, Luke. So uh, we did a lot of work in phase one. A lot of the with a lot of the folks here at the table at State Department and DOJ and DHS in particular. Uh, we believe that phase one was was very successful, and and the implementation of the dashboards in phase two is going very very well. And we're looking forward to defend and beginning to tie the network visibility into the endpoint visibility and 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 moving forward. But. Uh, yeah, the standardization, the controls, the visibility that was provided in phase one, I think has been beneficial to, um, to all of the agencies involved and raised, raised the overall security posture of the, uh, of the uh, civilian agencies. It's just amazing uh, the, uh, the, the, the level of capability there uh, uh, with the, you know, sort of homogenizing that capability and then being able to bring that up and start to actually triage it is an impressive. You know, how about at State? How are we doing over there? Another very complex <coughs> Uh, department level uh, organization that's got a lot of different operating moving parts underneath of it. How, how are you guys doing with the CDM rollout over there? Well Luke, we, just like Rod over at Commerce, we're huge. Um, we have a, a, a massive mission space, uh, various functionality worldwide. And CDM is great in, in my opinion solely because we had a capability that, that was more or less CDM Junior. And, and what CDM is, is, is allowing us to do is it's acting as a catalyst to, to we further... Call it, we called it CDM Phase Zero, for those that may not know. Right. Some of the origins <laughs> of the CDM program came from some things that were happening at state and some things that were happening at DOJ that sort of came together to institutionalize this. So, yep. so it's really, CDM is acti acting as, as a catalyst for our uh, information security continuous monitoring program. Um, it's, it's really allowing us to to grow as a security function throughout the throughout the department. Um, it's promoting our way ahead with ongoing assessment and ongoing authorizations and and uh, allowing our risk appetite to be more under control. 
Yeah. And then to be able to really um, uh, uh, feel more confident about taking on some of those risks and balancing them, knowing what you know now uh, in that program. Uh, Phil, how about a Fortinet? How are we doing there in regards to, you know, once again, another vendor partner here that has a, uh, a broad perspective of many different departments and agencies? What are you seeing out there? Yeah, I think that CDM's time has come. It's, it's been around a long time. Um, in, its, in its birth, it was ahead of its time in that it was uh, focused on uh, continuous monitoring. And, uh, and, and then some might have said that uh, it had to do a little bit of catch up where it added uh, mitigations to its name. Um, but I think that's behind us now, and that uh, we collectively we, and the uh, the CDM initiative, is uh, is in the private sector solutions have now caught up with each other, right? So my company Fortinet, uh, it's specialty of course is um, uh, extraordinary connectivity and integration of all parts of your net of your network. So how does that support CDM? Well, CDM is fundamentally about I think and I don't mean to speak for you at DHS, but fundamentally about um, uh, visibility, and control, and doing so in cyber relevant time. And so that's why I think where CDM's uh, aspirational notions birthed many, many years ago uh, have now greatly aligned with uh, the types of things that uh, Fortinet and other companies as well are doing where you can uh, essentially go from sensing to sense making to acting inside the decision cycle of the adversary. So I'm kind of bullish about uh, you know, helping out uh, uh, departments and agencies implement some of these great technologies. Fantastic. All right, well, we're going to move into more specific program, and maybe we can talk about, uh, you know, something that's happened in your department or agency or with the partners here, maybe something that they've done working with the departments and agencies uh, that they'd like to share with the audience. Uh, Chris, let's start with you. I'm sure there's numerous topics and numerous uh, uh, um, uh, activities that you guys are doing, but just pick one uh, that you can tell us uh, the progress of a program that's really uh, something that Semantic is proud of. Sure, so, and again, the phase one with CDM was, was so broad uh, with, with uh, certainly the, the endpoint security aspects too, and then phase two with, with, uh, with Jeff, with identity management, it's been tremendously successful. There's also been great uh, success around network access control, but it, you know, in terms of Symantec, uh, the security and visibility of the endpoint and the asset management components. So we're doing a lot with asset management. In fact, it's state uh, is, a, is a large partner of ours in CDM to identify the devices on the network and be able to do proactive patch management and, and driving that as a standard and providing that visibility back to the dashboard, I think is a great example of uh, some of the um, impact that, that CDM phase one has had on raising the security posture. Fantastic. Rod, how about at Commerce? Can you give us an example of, as you were rolling this out, sort of a specific piece of this program uh, that you guys want to highlight here? So I'm, I'm going to go back to a basic cybersecurity tenant, and I know it's rather trite and overused, um, but you can't secure what you don't know you have. Right. Right. So, and, and, and you know, again, that's probably an overused phrase. But but let me explain why Sounds I think it's incredible to to, for, to hear that to, to the average user, but super important and yeah, a real is. real issue, right? It is. And and what I what I found with the CDM program, a couple of things. I mean, the 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 software and and hardware asset management pieces of, of phase one um, are really really key to rapid response and resiliency in a cybersecurity sense, being able to identify where your exposure is and where you may be exposed to a vulnerability and then being able to uh, remediate that very, very quickly. The other thing that's interesting about this, and, and we've been 
doing some work uh, with the intelligence community. Um, I would love to be able to take the mountains of intelligence information that I know is out there somewhere um, and use predictive analysis, maybe some AI applied to it. We're just really not there. But what you can do, though, is once you have an, a sense of what's on your network, then when the intelligence community comes to you and says, we're seeing a vulnerability in this area that's specific to this operating system, specific to this device, whatever the case may be, having then that visibility into your assets allows you to very quickly then attack the source of where that vulnerability might be and give you a greater chance of being resilient catching it quickly, maybe preventing an exfiltration, or at the very least, if something does happen, having the ability then to triage and to, uh, to very quickly stop, hopefully stop, the uh, exfiltration in the, in the lateral movement. All, right. All of a sudden, you become very aware and you have a much better command of the situation. Yeah. Phil, how about uh, over at Fortinet? Can you give us a, an example of a program that uh, you guys have been working with, maybe with one of the departments and agencies that you want to point sure. out? Sure, I, I won't speak on behalf of, of some of our customers, but um, uh, there's some customers here at the table and elsewhere. Um, one of the things that they're benefiting greatly, and uh, Rod, to compliment what you just said, uh, Fortinet's invested heavily in uh, machine learning and deep learning, where we're providing uh, information and threat feeds to folks where we make sense of reams and reams of information. Um, Fort Fortinet is, is the largest seller by, by volume of appliances worldwide. So that postures us very, very well to get tremendous insight into the threats and types of traffic that, that, that uh, networks are seeing worldwide. We take that data, run it through uh, uh, deep learning engines, and then push that back over real time to our customers over our security fabric. So that allows you to do what you're talking about. It's, it's, um, we all have more data that, than we can practically put to use, so it's really going to take some intelligent um, applications to make sense of that data and push it out to the edge where it can be acted on in a cyber-relevant time. So I think that's one of, the, one of the things that our customers are especially interested in taking advantage of uh, from Fortinet. Yeah, I think the fact that you have this data being collected now and is available, uh, to being able to r run some, you know, some some smarts on top of it, right, and, and get much more intelligent and be able to focus on these things uh, rather than just, you know, sort of the needle and the needle of mm -hmm. uh, of the of the stack uh, is is real important to be able to do that. Uh, well, we're going to run out of time on this first segment, but we certainly want to uh, hear from the other folks uh, regarding the the various uh, programs. But we're going to take a short break. Uh, you've been listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and com. How can federal agencies fortify enterprise security? By relying on a trusted partner like Fortinet Federal. Simplify cybersecurity complexity. Eliminate single-purpose applications. Break the cycle of purchase, atrophy, and purchase again. Take control from the data center to the cloud with Fortinet's integrated future-ready protection approach and keep your agency assets safe. Learn more at FortinetFederal.com. Welcome to the cloud generation. It's a great, big, glorious, connected, dangerous mess. And as a security professional, it's your job to deal with it, all of it. So what do you need? You need security that protects every employee, everything, everywhere. You need a partner who sees it all, has it all, protects it all, and makes it all work together. At Symantec, they call it integrated cyber defense. You'll call it the relief you've been waiting for. Symantec, securing the cloud generation. To learn more, visit Symantec.com. 
Go beyond the PIV card and secure your agency with identity governance. Security doesn't stop at the front door. You need better visibility and governance over who has access to what systems and data in your agency. SailPoint, the leader in identity governance, helps your agency better mitigate risk and move it forward securely and confidently. Visit them at SailPoint.com to learn more. That's S-A-I-L-P-O-I-N-T.com. SailPoint, the power of identity. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. With me on today's show are Kevin Cox, CDM Program Manager, MPPD, Department of Homeland Security, Rod Turk, Acting CIO and CISO, Department of Commerce, Todd Mackert, Deputy Chief Information Security Officer, Department of Justice, Neil Graves, Chief Cybersecurity Scientist, Department of State, Jeff Kidwell, Area Vice President, SailPoint. Chris Townsend, Vice President, Sales and Operations, Semantic Federal, and Phil Quaid, Chief Information Security Officer, Fortinet. We were talking about specific programs when we went to break, and I uh, wanted to ask you, Kevin, I'm sure you could pick a whole bunch of them, but if we could ask you just pick one uh, program uh, that you think might be of interest to the listening audience. I think the key, one of our uh, main objectives starting out was to get the federal dashboard set up. And, and it's quite an accomplishment looking back over the years, uh, looking at how the federal government did cybersecurity before, to be able to start to get, uh, as mentioned, uh, some of the early responses in cyber uh, time, uh, in near real time, an understanding of what the federal landscape looks like. Uh, and, and as Rod had pointed out, it will enable us and enable the agencies more importantly uh, to be able to zero in quickly, uh, address critical vulnerabilities, uh, and where we want to get the federal government is not just keeping up with the threat, but in front of the threat uh, so that uh, we can uh, ensure that we're reducing the attack surface uh, of, of vulnerabilities that adversaries can exploit and then as we move into our future phases, be able to work to support the agencies to get them capabilities to quickly identify incidents uh, as, as if they occur and then be able to uh, remedy, mitigate, recover from those incidents. Sure, phase one you know, into two, you're really laying the tracks down to set the table, right? That's right. And with that dashboard capability, really getting to that higher order activity mm -hmm. uh, that uh, we're all so, uh, so very interested in. Neil, how about at uh, Department of State? Can you give us a specific example of something that you guys have pursued in the CDM program over the last year that's made a big impact over there? Well, look, the, the biggest impact isn't necessarily a single program, but rather the entire program. Sure. And I say that because at the department, um, from leadership down to, to the individual system maintainers and administrators, everybody's getting a better idea of what the enterprise really is. It's not so much a, a individual systems, but it is that aggregate of, of everything that we have, not just here at Conus, but worldwide, 170 countries. People are having a better idea of what it is that we have and how we can better secure it. Right, and uh, you know, just the, the, the complexity uh, involved in a, in a, in a multi-operational agency is enough. Uh, then to put the international piece on top of that is just incredible, uh, the, uh, the uh, dynamics around that. So We're uh, trying to make, our, make it easier for our diplomats overseas to do their jobs. Of course. 
Uh, Phil, how about it at Fortinet? Um, uh, excuse me, um, uh, Jeff, how about it uh, at SailPoint? Tell us what you guys are doing there in regards to a specific program in regards to uh, some progress that you've made over the last year. Sure, look, I, I, I can give you feedback that we've heard from our customers and some of the value that they've, re, they've seen with regards to deployment of, of phase two, right? So as, as SailPoint has initially been installed and that identity data warehouse is built or that master user record is built, we've enabled a number of different customers now at, at you know, a few keystrokes to run reports and identify all the users on the network, which is, which is not trivial, but then they can take it even further. Right? Identify all the users that have access to these high-valued assets. This has been a challenge in the government for, as well as commercial industry. And, and one of the things we've heard from our customers is they've identified users that they didn't know had those privileges that shouldn't have those types of privileges. Privileges. They've identified users. With, they've identified orphaned accounts. They've identified inactive accounts that still have privileges on the network when they should not have those types of privileges. This is all the value that, that our customers have communicated to SailPoint that they've seen. Yeah, it's amazing the, the, the amount of, of, of discovery you get when you're looking at uh, what's on the network, right? And I think that raised the community's eyebrows. And then when you start looking at who and what are they doing and why are they there or why do we have these accounts, uh, another eye-opening activity. Uh, so let's move into lessons learned, right? As we look through this and we're working through this program, uh, I want to ask each of you about uh, some lessons that you've learned that you'd like to share with the audience. Uh, let's start with you, Chris, at Semantic. What are some of the lessons that you're seeing out there that the agencies that you're seeing sort of over and over that you'd like to impart some wisdom on the community? Yeah, absolutely, Luke, thank you. So if you look outside of the federal government, we're seeing this trend more toward an integrated platform approach to security where you get visibility in the endpoint, the network, the cloud, and you bring all that data together where you can start to apply machine learning and AI and really drive some true automation to be proactive in terms of your response to security. I think CDM is laying the foundation for that and you're seeing that the visibility, the broad visibility and control that you have across the endpoints in CDM phase one and the visibility and identity management phase two, then you start to build in the network and the cloud component, you're going to get a, a very broad end-to-end -end picture of security and really be able to start to apply some analytics, apply some machine learning, and apply some automation to, to become proactive in terms of the security uh, approach in federal. And uh, like I said, that's a broad trend that we're seeing outside of Fed, and I think that CDM is going to lay the foundation for doing that uh, within the federal government. Yeah, I think CDM is one of these things that, uh, I don't know if it was leading the commercial environment or the commercial environment was was leading here, but Phil, you talked about this, you know, these things are starting to come together, right, as sort of uh, one type of activity that you're seeing in both sectors. Uh, can you give us an example, some lessons learned that you're seeing out there discovering? I always like to share that with the audience, uh, that things that they should be thinking about as they're, you know, doubling down on these various activities, including their the other phases. Yeah, I, I think the other panelists are doing a good job of describing the environment. It's the uh, Ten years ago, the, the dominant security strategy was to create a virtual and physical boundary around your networks and then actively defend at that boundary. And um, to its credit, DHS said, yep, that's an important thing to do, but let's also create this ecosystem of security beyond just the boundary. And to me, that's sort of the, birth, the birthplace of CDM many years ago. Um, and as I mentioned before, uh, that's where exactly where the private se sector has sprinted. Um, in parallel to the CDM initiative, right? So 
the, the dominant strategy in the private sector is to do agile segmentation, right? Rather than trying to create a boundary around your network where that boundary no longer exists because of wireless network, uh, wireless mobility and cloud, um, you have to do agile segmentation at the place where the data is. Well, that's, so that's the number one security strategy, but that also means there's a cost, and that cost is making sure you have visibility of where all your assets are. So uh, Fortinet, uh, what we're doing is we're making sure we have uh, great visibility. As you said earlier, Rod, uh, you can't defend what you can't see, right? So it starts with great visibility, but you have to do something about it once you have that visibility of where your assets are and you're actively defending it no matter where those uh, micro or macro segment seg segments are. So private sector is ready to serve the uh, uh, the department's agencies uh, in that sense now. You know, even uh, Neil, when you talked about your application, state's application is very, very different than some of the other departments at the table, right? So state is fundamentally a worldwide deployment. So the way they will architect their network is going to be a little bit different perhaps if you have a more domestic-centric uh, department or agency. Uh, the good news is that the private sector has solutions that can work uh, for, you know, geographically-centric departments and agencies um, in, in the opposite as well as cloud versus non-cloud, right? You don't want to have to necessarily defend your networks differently if you're a virtual, uh, have virtual appliances in the cloud mm -hmm. versus physical appliances in your data center. So the best commercial solutions can integrate across both virtual and physical and domestic and foreign. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, again, as we start to sort of uh, trend towards the uh, commercial market, it's, it's fantastic that we can use the same type of tools and techniques and methodologies that the commercial uh, customers are using as well. Todd, uh, as I mentioned before, DOJ's been at this a while. I'm sure right. you have some lessons learned that you'd like to, uh, maybe you can just point out one uh, that you can uh, impart some of that wisdom uh, sure. with the listening audience. Yeah, one of the, the first lessons that we learned with the, as a broad of an environment as we have at, at DOJ with our components is that really the a one size, one size doesn't fit all for a deployment strategy. Uh, we had to work very closely with each one of our components to take a, what was the, the integrators, let's say their templated deployment plan and schedule and tailor that to their priorities, their timelines, the resources that they had available and then maintain uh, very uh, robust communication between the component, uh, the DOJ headquarters, the integrator, DHS, to make sure that we had all of the resources properly aligned to, to do that, complete that deployment on time and get that capability uh, deployed. Uh, one of the other things uh, that we learned with that was, the, was ensuring that we delivered capabilities, not just individual systems. We had one particular instance where we delivered uh, two particular systems that needed to integrate with one another, but there wasn't a, a native API or connector between those two systems. Mm -hmm. So we had to kind of pause for four months, go back and work with the vendors to develop those, those connection points or those APIs between the two systems. So now we had a tighter integration between the two and delivered more of a, of a full capability rather rather than just deploying individual systems to them. Interesting, you know, you really can't peanut butter spread this, and I know that uh, uh, you all learned that in phase one uh, in particular, and uh, even the way you're uh, 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 modifying the way you're procuring this, and maybe you can talk about that a little, Kevin, when you get a second, but let's go over to Jeff and ask Jeff um, in regards to, uh, you know, some words of wisdom and lessons learned there that SailPoint has, uh, has uh, been able to glean that they'd like to share with the uh, uh, the uh, community. Sure, just just carrying on to what Todd from Justice said. I mean, uh, I, I'm in agreement 
you know, when we just look at this table of DHS, Commerce, State Department, Justice, these are large organizations. You got the powerhouses here. Right? These are large, complex organizations, yeah. and, and I think in some ways the government's taken steps. You know, when you look at the period of performance, for example, of phase two, I mean, that's a two-year period of performance to do a lot of work in a very short period of time. That, that's asking a lot, right? And, and so I think to some extent with the changes to defend and extending that period of performance and, and they're becoming more of a partnership with the program office in, 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 in installing and implementing and taking it over a longer period of time to really impact change is, is one area. A second area I think, a second lesson learned is that the classic uh, carrot or stick approach, and I say that meaning, no, in my opinion, you know, no matter how you want to look at it, CDM is, is still looks like Big Brother telling Little Brother what to do, right? And and there's some resistance at the different agencies because they don't necessarily have the assets or the resources. And here comes Big Brother telling us what to do. We got to improve the security posture of the network. So a, a, a carrot versus the stick is always a better approach. You've got to show value to those agencies. You got to show where they can see what this will do for them, both, both personally and as an organization. Sure. Well, I see Mr. Turk's uh, head spinning there, and he's in, you know, you're in a unique situation now, right? You've been there since the beginning of the CDM program and, uh, and uh, certainly had a lot of um, um, great input uh, as the CISO, now as the acting CIO for some period of time. Uh, uh, give us some lessons learned about what you're discovering there that you'd like to share with some of the other departments and agents. You can see my head spin? Yeah, well, I can see the, <laughs> the, the, gears, the mind so. spinning, the yeah. gears spinning, wow. yeah. Didn't think it was that obvious. Anyway, um, so my my experience is is a, is very similar, uh, similar to Todd's experience, and, and it kind of boils down to governance and believe it or not requirements, um, because y you would think uh, from a CDM program that's that's well healed, very descriptive, uh, licenses provided, you think that this would be just something where you'd just drop it in and make it work and everything would be fine. Uh, and that just wasn't the case for us. Sure. And, and so um, it, it's almost like at the end of the day, um, some of our components kind of looked around and said, wow, this is really going to happen. You know, I, I, I need to make sure that I bring this up or I bring that up or we need to do this and do that. So there was a lot of late day kinds of changes that we had to deal with and, and we're still working through some of them. Um, so the, the, the lessons learned then is, is right up front, um, trying to pull back and tease out those kinds of requirements early, you know, the old program management adage up front and early, and then get those things identified so then you can more nimbly deal with them throughout the rest of the process rather than having a hair on fire approach at the end trying to uh, make a solution so that everybody can get on board. It just no doubt that posturing <laughs> will help when you're starting to roll out phase three and phase four. Absolutely. Uh, so that's fantastic. Neil, how about at the State Department? Uh, what kind of lessons learned have you guys discovered there that you'd like to share with the uh, community? Well, I won't have to spend much time on the getting out in front of governance. Uh, thanks, Rod. That was well, well put. Um, <clears throat> one of the big lessons learned that we have is isn't necessarily restricted to the Department of State or any one particular aspect of CDM, but rather uh, from the, the federal acquisition and management of massive programs of record where you have multiple integrators supporting various different agencies and departments. 
and it's information sharing. So when I have integrator A, whereas agency number two has integrator B, and we may or may not have the same solutions in place. If we do have those same solutions in place, and they're trying to integrate with CDM, it would be nice if the other agency, if they were successful, to be able to inform our integrator on how to do it so we don't sit there spinning our gears and, and wheels and I can't say waste time, but waste time. Right. So, and, so and that lesson learned has been, it's been realized, it actually has, and I applaud Kevin and company over at, at DHS um, and having the, the other groups, the group B specifically, um, with one of the phase one applying, or one of the phase one solutions that we're using, an agency in group B was able to out of band provide the CDM program management office instruction on how our integrator should integrate. Right, so learning those lessons, discovering, sharing that with the rest of the community is one of the uh, major roles that uh, Kevin, I would imagine you play. So uh, give us your perspective of uh, some lessons learned that you'd like to share with the community in regards to sort of where the program is today and impart any type of wisdom you'd like on the uh, on the audience. Sure, I'm gonna echo a lot of what uh, the, the panel has said. Uh, the importance of flexibility in our, our contracts. So as we move into our new acquisition strategy, CDM Defend, uh, we're looking to build in longer runways. We're looking to be able to support agencies in, in different technology areas um, and, and do it in ways that, that are uh, really customized agency by agency. Uh, from the point that Neil brought up, the importance of information sharing, uh, being able to learn uh, lessons from uh, one task order and share it with other task orders. Uh, the, really, we, we don't want to be big brother. Uh, th th so the other lesson learned is the importance of partnerships. Uh, we DHS don't have all the answers in this space and, and really getting uh, the information from the agencies, understanding what they're seeing down on the ground, that helps inform the program and, and make it better. So the, the real importance of those partnerships is, is, is extremely critical. And then the final thing I would say is that at the end of the day, I think the, the difficulty of all this work is not necessarily the technology, it's, it's really the, the people in process. So the importance of governance, the, the importance of communication, uh, all of those lessons learned have, have helped inform the program so that as we move forward, uh, we'll only get better and better in terms of the support we're providing to the agencies and then our partnerships with industry uh, to just, just make that uh, move forward smoothly and, and well. Yeah, I think just having that continuous feedback loop is very critical, right? And the fact that you've chopped this up in phases and, you know, uh, Block A learned from Block B and or or Block B learned from Block A, et cetera, et cetera, has been extremely powerful. And you guys have done some great modifications as you've moved along. Again, the procurement strategy in particular, right? One size doesn't fit all, it never does, right? I think mm -hmm. we've all learned that. And the technology and the environment's changing a lot, right? Um, you know, that's just, just a reality and we have to keep pace with that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, we are gonna uh, wrap up this segment and uh, talk about priorities and look towards the future, but we're gonna take a short break. Uh, you've been listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com.
Go beyond the PIV card and secure your agency with identity governance. Security doesn't stop at the front door. You need better visibility and governance over who has access to what systems and data in your agency. SailPoint, the leader in identity governance, helps your agency better mitigate risk and move it forward securely and confidently. Visit them at SailPoint.com to learn more. That's S-A-I-L-P-O-I-N-T.com. SailPoint, the power of identity. Welcome to the cloud generation. It's a great, big, glorious, connected, dangerous mess. And as a security professional, it's your job to deal with it. All of it. So what do you need? You need security that protects every employee, everything, everywhere. You need a partner who sees it all, has it all, protects it all, and makes it all work together. At Symantec, they call it integrated cyber defense. You'll call it the relief you've been waiting for. Symantec, securing the cloud generation. To learn more, visit Symantec.com. How can federal agencies fortify enterprise security? By relying on a trusted partner like Fortinet Federal. Simplify cybersecurity complexity. Eliminate single-purpose applications. Break the cycle of purchase, atrophy, and purchase again. Take control from the data center to the cloud with Fortinet's integrated, future-ready protection approach. And keep your agency assets safe. Learn more at FortinetFederal.com. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. With me today, we've got Kevin Cox, Rod Turk, Tom Mackert, Neil Graves, Jeff Kidwell, Chris Townsend, and Phil Quaid. Uh, we were just talking about lessons learned, had a great conversation there, and we're going to talk about priorities now, and uh, what are your priorities for the next year? Todd, let's start with you. What's, uh, what's sort of number one in this space? priority-wise for DOJ? Sure, I think uh, for the next year we're going to really focus on rounding out our credential our credential and access management capabilities for our general and privileged users. We, As we mentioned earlier, uh, Justice had a uh, has a solid foundation for the Phase 1 capabilities and where we've really been able to, to leverage the CDM program was for Phase 2 and through the, the general and privileged uh, access management systems we've been able to build out a, a master user record and add a few additional attributes to that record to create a, an enterprise digital ID. And with that digital ID, we're going to be able to take and automate uh, what used to be some siloed manual processes for onboarding users and creating their accounts and, and all that entire account management process as they move throughout DOJ. And through that, we'll be able to automate that, gain more access and visibility, and have better controls over the, the rights and permissions that people have in their accesses. So I think that's going to be a, a key going forward. It would be fantastic to have that, have that capability, onboarding, right, great experience. Right. and also be able to do it when they offboard, right? So you don't have these dormant accounts, et cetera. Chris, uh, how about with semantics? What do you see as priorities in, in your domain and across the community for the next year? Yeah, we're really excited about CDM Defense. So that's that's right in our wheelhouse. It's such an evolving space right now, and we're looking forward to working with the agencies and the integrator community. Uh, if, if you think about what's happening right now, the move to the cloud and the move from the current TIC architecture to the future state TIC architecture, TIC 3.0, if you will, and how the TIC architecture needs to evolve to support the cloud. And, as was mentioned earlier, the boundaryless environment that we're facing today as we move to shift security policy more to the user and, and, um, and, and securing the data and the applications themselves, whether reside on-prem or in the cloud, uh, this all falls right in the wheelhouse of CDM Defend and a lot of what we're doing at Symantec. So we're, we're excited about partnering with the agencies and the integrator community on, on moving forward with CDM Defend. 
Fantastic. Um, uh, here comes Defend, right? Kevin, uh, give us the priority of the uh, the program, right? Mm -hmm. The CDM program at large mm -hmm. uh, in regards to, uh, you know, where we're going to stand in the next year. Sure. So what we have done so far is really laid the foundation uh, with the first phase, which was understanding what was on the network. Second phase, understanding who was on the network. Mm -hmm. So now we're moving into phase three, understanding what's happening on the network. Uh, we also have phase four, uh, which is about understanding how data is protected. So in terms of what we're looking at in the next year, uh, working with the agencies uh, to uh, focus uh, for the first time in regards to cloud security, uh, focus on mo mobile security. Uh, we also want to achieve one of our, start to achieve one of our objectives for the program, which was transforming the way that we monitor cybersecurity posture. Uh, so rather than the old manual processes of authorizing our systems, we want to get into ongoing assessment of security controls with the goal towards ongoing authorization. So once a system is authorized, you monitor thereafter uh, and, and you, you are able to understand the, the security uh, of that system, the risk management around that system. Uh, so that's going to be a, a key initiative for us in the next year. Big enabler, and it's not just a one and done, and we get rid of the paper tiger, and we have a much more robust and much that's more right. meaningful capability to monitor those environments as they change, right? right? And, and, and the one other thing I would add is that we're going to be starting in on phase four with some uh, proofs of concept uh, with uh, some of the high value assets in the federal government uh, to start to get additional data protections in place just to make sure that that most critical data is protected. Mm -hmm. uh, so we expect to start to uh, d dive into that. Fantastic, maybe you can elaborate a little bit of that on our last round of questions. Um, Jeff, how about at SailPoint? What do you see as far as the priorities out there for the next year? So I, I would, again, just add on to what Todd was saying earlier, and that, that's a good example for our priorities, right? So CDM, phase two was about identifying who's all on the network, uh, justice, as an example, is taking it to the next level in that they've identified now who's on the network. Now they're governing the, that person on the network through automation, right? So now you're identifying who's on the network, the entitlements that they have, should they have those entitlements, and if the answer to that is no, then you need to automatically remediate that. So now, as you join a company, you're automatically provisioned for certain things, and you're governing that, life, that identity through the life cycle as they progress and go from one part of the organization to another part of the organization, and through automation, you're monitoring what access that user has. So taking the, the, the phase two CDM deployment to the next level in automating the process. And really turning on that uh, capability. Uh, well, we have about 12 minutes left, and we're gonna sort of, for those that we may not have talked about priorities with, you can bundle that in with your sort of looking at the future there. We're gonna start with you, Phil, at Fortinet. Give us a, uh, a, 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 a sort of a paint a picture of what you see as a future and maybe start with the priorities in the next year. You bet. Thanks, Luke. Uh, the future to me looks like uh, something I call intent-based security, where the operator of the system can convey a security policy and the machines serve man rather than man serving machines, right? So the, uh, the machines can con uh, convert that security policy, automatically propagate it over some type of security fabric and push it out from the edge to the midpoint all the way out to the cloud and implement the intent of that security operator. So that's what the future looks like. In the meantime, the solution space uh, to the private sector looks like, uh, to me looks like solutions that solve the problems of uh, integration and complexity. So from an integration perspective, 
it's not practical for the private sector to ask the government department's agencies to rip out what they already have and replace it with some brand new platform. It doesn't work that way. You need some type of um, uh, approach that allows you to implement a core security architecture and bring in uh, through integration over, over a fabric to allow you to integrate the, uh, the important uh, point solutions that, that you might need to complement your system, so integration. And the second one is complexity management. That is, you can't, you can't uh, solve the effectiveness problem by increasing complexity because that means human beings will start making mistakes. So we have to make sure that we are um, providing broad, integrated, and automated solutions that, uh, of course, are more effective so you can defend at the time and place of your choosing, not the adversary's choosing. Sure. while not increasing the complexity, overall complexity that we're, we're providing to our customers. There's some good groundwork out there. Uh, Neil, uh, tell us, uh, you know, paint us a picture of what does the future look at, like at State in regards to CDM? Well, at State with regards to CDM, over the next year we want to, we want to roll out phase one and phase two completely across the board. I mean, we're in 170 countries and we haven't had the resources nor the time to, in some cases, literally fly out and deliver an appliance to each post. Um, so that's just regarding the CDM, but with respect to a vision of the cybersecurity future, uh, it's not just for the Department of State. With my background in offensive cyber operations, you get into the idea of where are we as defenders versus where are they as the attackers until there's a, a, a fundamental paradigm change in computing and cybersecurity across the board, we won't, I, I hope that I'm wrong, but I don't believe that we will get ahead of, of our advers adversaries. With that said, the future looks bright with the up and coming uh, industry, with new technologies being developed every day. And as long as we can get, get our government, uh, get our government bodies in place and working with those vendors and with industry to come up with that next paradigm shift. Big piece of it's about the technology, a larger <coughs> piece of it is about the uh, community coming together and implementing it. Chris, uh, what do you see as far as uh, what the future holds in regards to semantic and the community at large? Yeah, to build on uh, uh, what Neil just said, and he hit the hit the nail on the head, we need to facilitate better communication between industry and government, and, and, and federal government and state and local government as well. So we all need to work together and communicate better and to share more information to really get ahead of the threat. We also need to shift from this reactive approach we've taken in the past out of necessity, but as our, as our IT environments have evolved, we've uh, reactively deployed technologies, often in a silo, that have created this very complex environment and security, which is unsustainable from an operational standpoint, from a cost standpoint. We need to take a step back and drive to a paradigm shift that allows us to be more proactive in terms of our, our uh, approach to security, and that's breaking down these tool silos, taking more of a platform approach, driving to a common standard, allowing the systems to communicate with one another to be able to apply automation across those so our systems can take the human element out of security enforcement, especially as our security environment becomes more complex. We move to the cloud and mobile. Um, the, the, uh, the risk environment is becoming more complex, not less, and we need to take some of the complexity out of the operations of security. So that's really about this uh, this platform approach and, and taking a security fabric approach. Sure, really a framework that things can snap into. Todd, it. what does it look like when you've rolled out phase three and phase four and you know, you're you sitting there collecting all this information? Paint a sure. picture for us. 
Well, actually, I'm going to pivot a little bit on some of the things that Chris said there. The, the future for DOJ really involves moving to the cloud and our mobile environment. Uh, we're doing a lot of data center consolidation, moving a lot of our information and systems and capabilities to the cloud. So now how can we leverage the CDM capabilities and other capabilities to secure that unique environment? How does it differ from our, our on-prem environment? Uh, likewise, with our user base in DOJ, we have attorneys and agents deploying around the world continuously, and we've got to provide them with, <coughs> excuse me, with access to their resources regardless of where they're at. They demand, you know, that mobile connectivity, and in many cases, they're traveling to high-risk locations. So we're going to continue to look ahead at, at uh, how do we leverage, you know, CDM and then other capabilities to secure that uh, their mobile platforms and uh, give them access to resources sure, when they're, they're deployed. Sort of working in a virtual space, and their their computing is uh, operating in a virtual space. So you know right. the world's certainly changing. Uh, Jeff, how about at SailPoint? What does the future look like uh, in regards to uh, where you guys sit? So I'm not sure I'm qualified to, to judge the future, but I, I can tell you what I, I hear my customers saying, and, and we're our most mature users of identity governance solutions and, and what they're doing, right? The, the first thing is, is emphasizing the first word of the program, and that's continuous, right? It, this doesn't stop. You've got to continue to do this, and you're continuing to, to our most mature organizations are governing that identity through automation. And as a use case or as an example, this is not an IT problem, this is a business problem, so that new contractor comes on board, uh, you know, from that point in time he's entitled with the things he get, and when at the end of his period of performance he's automatically deprovisioned, so automating that process. Sure. Ron, how about at Commerce, what, what, uh, when you uh, sort of look over the horizon, what are you seeing there? So from a shorter term view, uh, we're looking to mature phase one. Uh, we don't want to leave that and, and say it's one and done. We want to mature it, use the data that's there. From an ICAM perspective, phase two, we're actually using CDM as a leverage to do a, a broader and grander ICAM solution for the department, harmonizing the uh, technologies that are being developed at our individual components, mm -hmm. bring them potentially to unity. Sounds similar to what Department of Justice is mm -hmm. doing. Mm -hmm. And then, and then in the, the long term, we really want to be more proactive. Uh, we want to shorten the response time. We want to uh, have a greater awareness of vulnerabilities and issues in our environment. Uh, we're also doing a, a tech pilot uh, with uh, DHS and uh, and with OMB. Got a lot of other things that kind of wrap into that. But the bottom line here for CDM is to use CDM as a launch point, mm -hmm. and then then go from the CDM program and then pull in other pieces of the environment so that we can make a bigger package out of CDM and then broaden the uh, the exposure. Sure, and sort of managing that complex environment. I know the, uh, DHS has 22, you know, uh, different uh, entities. And how many in commerce? 12. And in DOJ? Uh, 20 plus. Right, and, and state? Yeah, there's very complex environments, and not only are, are they, you know, different missions and operations, but they're also, uh, you know, moving in different directions in regards to cloud and mobile, et cetera. All right, we're going to ask uh, Kevin to wrap it up here in regards to paint the picture uh, for what the future looks like for the CDM program. You know, so what do you see in that community when you fully realize? Is there a phase five? You know, how, you know let's, let's uh, share with your listening audience. We've got a few minutes here, so, you okay. know. 
Yeah. Sure. So what we want to do is really provide the agencies a holistic view of their environment. The key is to get an understanding of wherever there is government data. Uh, we know about it. Uh, there are proper protections in place. Uh, we understand who's accessing that data. And we can identify if that data is ever accessed in a, a malicious way or even accidental way. Uh, so we want to have, uh, for the agencies, a, a, a holistic view of all of their data. And so if that data is on, in an on-prem data center, if it's out in a cloud service provider, if it's on a mobile device uh, in a foreign country, uh, that we know that that data is there and it's protected. Uh, with that, we want to ensure that uh, the prior phases, phases one and two, uh, as mentioned, that we work with the agencies to really make sure that, that is, those are both fully deployed and completed. Any Moving target uh, timeline for that to put a stake in the ground? And say uh, so done. essentially as we wind down fiscal year 18, mm -hmm. uh, the, the task order for phase one is completed. Uh, the privilege management task order is completed, and then in early 19, the credential management task order is completed. What we want to do is anything that was out of scope originally that we support the agencies in getting uh, the phase one and two capabilities in place. Uh, there are a few uh, remote offices, et cetera, where we still need to get capabilities. Um, but ideally, by the end of 19, phases one and okay. two are completed uh, down to the, the very last endpoint, very last user, we have that awareness. Uh, with the perimeter uh, starting to uh, dissolve, uh, we want to make sure that we have capabilities, again, wherever the data is, to protect that data. Uh, so we're, we can't rely on a security stack at the perimeter uh, to protect us going forward. So we really have to get out to where the data is. Uh, and, and make sure that the proper protections are in place. So that, there, that introduces a lot of complexity, uh, but the, I think today the technologies are there to help us get there and, and help the agencies get there. In terms of, so phase three is about understanding what's happening on the network, so cloud security, mobile security, boundary protection. Uh, phase four is about what is, uh, how's the data protected. So we want to finish out um, getting uh, protections in place for all the high value assets in the federal government. Uh, that most critical data, uh, the, the, the keys to the kingdom, mm -hmm. uh, the crown jewels, we want to make sure that we're, we're supporting the agencies to get that protected. And then what we're looking to do is really move from the phases model to a capabilities model. So as, as new technologies so come out, right? as new technologies come out, new threats develop, that we can uh, identify what capabilities are available to address those threats, uh, utilizing that new technology and keep moving forward with the program. Fantastic. Well, this has certainly been uh, interesting and informative, and um, uh, I appreciate all the great work that everyone's doing. I'd like to thank today's guests for taking the time from your busy schedules to join us for this program. I'd like to thank our sponsors for Without We Don't Have a Show. I'd like to thank the good people here at Federal News Radio that make this program so successful and enjoyable. And I'd, most of all, I'd like to thank the listening audience out there that tune in every month. You've been listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. Thank you for listening to the 2018 Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM, proudly celebrating 13 years. The show was produced by the Treza Media Group. If you missed any portion of the show, you can listen to the show in its entirety and on demand at federalnewsradio.com.